Church. For those of you that are new here, welcome guests. We're so glad that you're here today. Um, just, we're excited to be in the house of God today. We're excited that um, we're gathered together here, united as a body of Christ, just to come together to give God praise, to give Him thanks. And we just, we're so glad that you're here today. We, um, we invite you to worship with us today. Um, we never leave anybody behind. So we're just going to pick you up with us and take you right along. Um, let's pray together today before you enter worship. Amen. God, we just ask that you would be here today in the midst of your people, God. Let your um, spirit be in our praises, God. The Bible says that uh, wherever your praises are, there you are in the midst. And God, we just invite you here today. We we um, want to seek your face, God, and not your hands. We don't we don't seek, God, what you can give us, but we seek you, God, just because we want to love you and we want to know you more. I pray that you would just work on our hearts today, God, that you would just... Um, God, help us to, to see and to hear and to know something new, to know you more and to love you. We just honor you today, God. We thank you for what you're going to do here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Yeah. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, you are majestic and merciful. You are far above us and ready to come to us. You have plans for the whole earth, even for the universe. And yet you care for us, even in the smallest details. You are King and our Father. Hallowed be your name. Make your great and holy name to be honored and treasured above all things, especially deep in our own hearts and everywhere in the world. Your kingdom come. Cause your sovereign authority and wisdom to hold sway at all times in every place on earth and in the deepest parts of our own souls. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Grant that your all-wise, all-good, all-just, all-holy will would be done throughout the world the way the angels do it perfectly and joyfully in heaven and make it a reality in each of us. Give us this day our daily bread. We are not asking for riches, but for enough to live. We want to be healthy and to have a mind and body that work. Sustain us that we might accomplish what you call us to do. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We are sinners and need to be forgiven every day. We know we don't deserve it. We ask for mercy. Forgive us. Draw us into the freedom of your love, the love you gave when your son died in our place. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't want to go on sinning. Keep us back from the entanglements of overpowering temptation. Guard us from Satan, from all his works and all his ways. Grant us to walk in holiness before you all our days. We pray this in the name of the one who taught us to pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
Let it be. church just push a little bit further into him right now heaven is here just tap into that right now just take a little step further even if you just close your eyes you lift your hands you open up your mouth just say holy spirit come oh holy spirit come fill this place fill this place Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Sing the, can you guys just sing, say this with me? Repeat after me as we... As we say the Lord's Prayer. We just sang it. We just did some liturgy. We just said a heard thing from, I think, who was John Piper. Talk about our Father in heaven. Say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today 
our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors but lead us not, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one I think there's a there's a posture in this prayer, right? Jesus, if you talk, talk about, it, he's like, this is how you should pray. Don't do this. So I'm gonna give you some directions. Pray like this. The same with that song we talk about, about kingdom come, right? He's, he's saying, my, God, your kingdom come. We say those words. So what is the application? What do you? How do you do that? And it's talking about, may I forgive my debtors? May I be led not into temptation? That is how God's kingdom comes. Amen. And at the very end of that, it talks about forgiveness. He wraps the, the bookend on this thing about kingdom coming, saying, and don't forget, you could stifle the kingdom of God coming by not forgiving others. And we pray at Hill City Church, we're loving, gracious, ju- uh, even with judgment, but we, we forgive our community, we forgive those around us. Amen? Amen? God, I thank you for these words. I thank you for your Lord's Prayer. God, that we can expand on that. And as simple as you say, you don't need to use a lot of words, but go into your closet, say these words. And you told us, Jesus Christ, you said, this is how you should pray, God. We love you. We thank you for those words. And we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You Give God a hand as you are seated. I don't know if you can clap and sit at the same time. It's kind of a challenge. Good morning, Hill City Church. Tell the person next to you hi. And, and other words if you want to. You don't have to just say hi. But, man, it's, uh, it's good to see some of your beautiful faces. I love worshiping and doing church with a lot of you guys. Um, who's happy to be here this morning? Come on. Thank you, Rico. He's raising his hand. So. Quick announcement. We have an IF conference coming up, which is for the ladies. So you get a dude doing an announcement about ladies conference. So I'll do my best. But uh, my wife, Megan, who's not here, she's, uh, she's leading it up with an awesome team of, of women. And uh, the IF Conference is, a, is an annual thing that we do where the girls go away, uh, the ladies, the young ladies, uh, girls. And then uh, there's really no age limit, so we have a, a variety of ages going to this. And it's really a night for them to get away. And, uh, and, and this, this year specifically is about discipleship and mentorship and really having women uh, walk in that together. And uh, I know Pastor John, and we're really passionate about that at Hill City Church. But uh, giving the tools to do that, sometimes we say these lofty words of discipleship, and that sounds good. It might be intimidating to people, but it's going to spend a lot of time on making that really practical for the ladies. So uh, we have a, a limit or a, a goal of having 50 women go, and I think we're at 41. I just checked. Any real-time updates? Using the, pa- the beauty of technology. So anyway, uh, the, the stuff's online. Out, out, uh, um, you can talk to the folks. Uh, the, go to the nacho place. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They're selling nachos. We are selling nachos to help uh, raise for that. So um, uh, if you guys are hungry afterwards and you want some beautiful food, go get some nachos and you're contributing to the IF conference. And uh, so that's in two weeks, just so you know. So it's not like, hey, sign up for this and it's in two. No, it's in two weeks. So you have to sign up by Tuesday uh, to be included. And... Uh, and uh, hopefully I don't sound too harsh on that. But that's the deadline. So uh, it's March 16th and 17th, and it's right over here in Westminster. Uh, that's where they're getting away for the night. So I highly encourage you guys, if there's any questions, uh, talk to Monique, talk to Candice. They'll be out there. My wife, uh, she might be out there at the end. So cool. All right. 
I'm going to move forward here and uh, have our guys come forward with the offering, continue in our giving, and part of our worship. Amen? Amen. I want to, uh, so that we had dinner with John last night. We were talking about, there's been a, there's been a lot of sickness. There's been a lot of hurt. There's been a lot of been a, anybody with me? Uh, there's been some catastrophic things happening. Uh, my best friend had to fly, flight for life his two-year-old daughter to Children's this week from Greeley. And uh, she survived. Um, she was close to dying, but come on. Give him a hand. Um. Thank you for that, whoever screamed, because that's what it's about, that uh, we can dwell. And uh, I just felt like a, a little bit of a, a little bit of fighting back proactively. I feel very reactive right now. A lot of our stuff that's been common where people dying and sick. And, and I don't know, that is absolutely a part of our journey as humans, as part of our faith, is to be presented with something that's really bad in your life. And all of a sudden it's like, ugh, right? Um, but... I want to counter that, and not to say we could, I could have prevented or, or I could have prayed enough to prevent my best friend's kid from getting sick um, and, and, being, and, and going through children's and flight for life. It was awful. But, but I, I want us to have a posture of gratitude, a posture of thankfulness, amen, that this morning that we stand up and we say, you know, there may be stuff that's happening right now. I don't know. But I want to also have an outlook that I don't want to just pray, Gabe, when stuff sucks. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to just say, oh, I'll keep my language better. Sorry, that wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> I don't want to just pray when things are awful. And I pray as Hill City Church that we have both, that we balance that. We're praying proactively, preemptively. We're also praying for today, whatever it may be. And God, even if you don't, that I'm, I'm thankful for it. Even if you don't heal that little two-year-old girl, how can we get to a point where we say God is good? And so this morning, I just want to lead us in a prayer this morning. Um, and you can't pray a prayer that just covers everything. But this morning, I'm not going to pray for someone sick. And I just, it's not because I don't want to, but I want to pray a different prayer this morning. Amen. So if you guys could just pray with me, and then uh, I'm going to have John come up afterwards. And uh, tune in, tune in to the, to the voice of, of John <laughs> and his message this morning. We're happy to have him back at the pulpit, um, kind of full time, so to speak. And I'm, I'm excited to hear his words. But um, just pray with me, church. You don't have to say it audibly, but even if it's just in your heart. God, I thank you for today. I just thank you, God, that you're real, that you're alive, and that you came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and you had a plan for humanity, God. You had a plan to fully redeem, God, this broken world. God, and there's going to be sickness. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be catastrophe. Even in this moment this morning, I know there are things, God, but this morning I just choose to stand on your word and thankful for your message, God. I'm thankful that I'm saved this morning. I thank you for this church, God. I have tons of gratitude, God, for what you've done and what you're going to do. I pray in this moment that John's words would be poignant, that they would drive us, God, to a close relationship with you. God, we tune in right now. We open up in this moment. There may be all sorts of other things swirling around this morning, God, but we center ourselves. We focus on you. Our appetite, I pray that it would increase right now to be moved by your word, not come out of here different or the same, but that we're different. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you, God. In your name, amen. That's good. That's good. Some offensive praying. How much do we defensively live our lives sometimes? We're just reactionary to what's happening. Instead, we are taking steps forward to go a direction. I hope that is our desire. Um, right now, if someone can pop these front lights on for me too, 
But good morning. Welcome to Hill City. My name is John, and I'm the teaching pastor here. And I am just, uh, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you get connected. That's our hope. Our hope is that if you're new here, that you get connected, that there is people in your lives, there's people in this room that, that can, man, that can impact your life so deeply. And there's people in this room that need you to impact their lives so deeply. So I hope you get connected and you grow in your relationships here. You encounter Jesus, his grace, his truth, so that together we can bring the light of Jesus into dark and broken places. That's the goal. The goal is not just to sit back and huddle together. The goal is to bring the light and the life of Jesus forward. Forward is the goal. We don't want to always sit back. Sometimes we just take punches, but sometimes you have to respond. There has to be a response, and I, I hope there's a response in us to be more and move like Christ. And I love Jesus because he was crazy in the Bible. He would invite himself over to people's houses. He's like, hey, buddy, I'm going to your house tonight, Zacchaeus, and I'm going to bring my crew with me. And they're like, okay, all right. Uh, and I just loved how he responds to life. He's not, he's like, oh, let me schedule that in three weeks from now. Oh, let, let me know. I'm doing my nails that day, so you can't come. You're doing your nails all day? Yep, all day. You know, we, we don't want to schedule anyone in sometimes because it's an inconvenient. But I believe that God wants to shake us up to be a church of inconvenience. To push us into sacrifice, into some struggles where we hold hands and we struggle together. I don't know why I'm going there right away, but I am. We believe that Jesus changes everything. And I'm not, I don't want us to just cram Jesus uh, into an hour in the weekends. It doesn't make sense, right? No, faith is greater than that. Jesus changes the way we see our lives, the way our character. You know, when we think of our lives, if you think of it as a story, the way your character lives out their life is different because Jesus changes everything. Think about this for a moment. The expression of how we live, our purpose, the way we love people, our faith leads that. We're not led by reactionary uh, love. We're led by active, active love. We choose to love when the unlovable. We choose to give when, when it's hard. You know why? Because that's how God works. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were wrecked up, while we were haters of God, when there was enmity before me and God, that's when Christ came after us. He ran after us. So there has to be an expression of that. That's how faith works out in our workplace, as parents, as we deal with tough situations. That's when your faith is working, not when it's only good. You're like, oh, man, things are great. My faith, I must be doing good with God. No, there's, it's, it's a whole life. It, there's, it's a whole life discipleship with our goals. Is your faith in your goals? Is your faith leading your generosity? Is your faith leading the way you deal with your past and with forgiveness? Is our faith the way we deal with our pride, right? It humbles us. We live filled with gratitude because I love this because we know we are so messed up that Jesus had to die for us. Yet at the same time, we are so loved that Jesus died for us. That is the beautiful dichotomy of the gospel. It is beautiful in that way. So I choose to live for him. My life is all his. And in the words of Abraham Kuyper, he was a prime minister of the Netherlands, he says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. 
mine. It's all his. I love it. It is all his. And uh, with that with that in mind, I want us to move today on part four of the series, Love Handles. And today, Love Handles is we're getting a grip on love, on relationships and marriage, on singleness last week. Thank you, Trent, for uh, speaking to us. It was so solid. It was so good. Thank you. And today we're talking about family, that family matters, that family matters, and what it means to be family informed by the gospel of Jesus. I'm not just telling you be good family, like do really cool stuff. I want us to be family informed by how Jesus tells us to be informed, how Jesus tells us to do family. So we're going to run right into this. Please go in your Bibles to Psalms 127. All right. We celebrate the word of God because it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes lives. Jesus transforms us. So we love that. So the Bible has always conveyed this deep thought, this deep understanding. As you guys are turning to Psalms 127, all right? The Bible is telling us these deep thoughts. But one of the things that it always has conveyed is that you and I are a part of two families. Say two families. First family, a biological family. Like the O's, right? I love my family. We're united by blood and by marriage. It's a clash of Koreans and Mississippians. They're very interesting, right? And I love this picture. I put a picture up there, and it's my Mississippi family with a, with a large Korean guy on the side. There. Boom. Look at that. Look how, look how handsome that guy in the black shirt is. I think I'm wearing the same black shirt today. All right. That's good. But that is, a, that is my biological and my marriage family, right? That's my bi- family there. But we also have an eternal family, an eternal family, a church family united by Jesus. I know we belittle this because in our culture, we really hold tight to blood family, and then we hold loosely because I don't think this is important. But in the Bible, it doesn't, even, it, it doesn't translate that way. There's a moment in Mark chapter 5 where, uh, where people are like, Jesus, your mom and your brothers, they want to talk to you. Of course, uh, you need to know the backstory. And Jesus, like, I was like, he goes, who's my mom? I get to see it. He, I, just this attitude. Who's my brothers? And he, he says, the one that does the will of my father. The one that is on mission with me. I'm like, dang, that's cold. <laughs> that's cold. But if you knew the backstory of that, their mothers and brothers, they did not believe Jesus. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. Think of this moment. If uh, Anyone have a little brother? Any little brothers? Right? If you can convince your little brother that you are God, you've done something, right? Right. I, I would say that is literally the hardest thing that you could do. But at the end of Jesus' life, after he was resurrected, his brother James became the leader of the Jerusalem church. And, and his brother James, and, and, and they, he helped write the Bible. Two of his brothers helped write in the New Testament. It's crazy. He not only convinced his brothers that he was God, but these brothers, they gave their life for this understanding. So this was a big moment. You have to understand how important eternal family is. But we are called, we are united by Jesus, we are united by his salvation, we are united by his commission, his mission, by his blood and his spirit. And and, and turn to the person next to you, man, and tell them we're family. Yeah, turn them, we're family, dude. Not like, not like, you know, we're family, family, not just family. We're family, family, right? 
And as Christians, and if you're a Christian, you have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father. I know we don't, it, some, of, some of us, we don't come from good fathers. So that's really hard for us to swallow. We're like, what is that, right? But we have a heavenly father that loves us. John, first, uh, John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave them right to become children of God. And listen, the apostle John, who wrote these words, did not take spiritual family lightly. They were just as family as family family. I, I, you, you understand what I mean by that, right? Church was not a place to attend. Church was not a place. It was, it was family. It was people. It wasn't about holding the membership card. This ain't Costco, right? In Costco, you have your membership card, and you get membership benefits, right? And, 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 and family's not like that. Can you imagine you showing up to dinner, and you get your card out, and you owe me. You owe me, man. I got, I got my membership. I need my benefits. And you're like, what's for dinner? It's chicken. Oh, I hate chicken. Can you imagine telling your mom that? And then at the end, you're like, oh, this is cold. I don't even like this. Take this back. Can you imagine doing this in family, family? You might get, my mom would slap me. She's a striker. She is. I would always know, oh, it's coming. I would say something, but I would test her, you know, see where she's at. But I, uh, but I just remember, uh, when you're in family, it's different. It's different. And church is not a place we come to. Church is a family. And I, I, would, I long for you to understand that depth of relationship. It's so beautiful when you have. There's some people in this room, we call each other brothers and sisters, and they called it in the Bible. And we, we think that that's just them just making things up. It's not. It's, it's us taking a deeper step of commitment to one another and says, I got you. I got you. I got you. And so with that in mind, we're going into Psalms 127. And this psalm, and, and if you read it in your Bible, it says, a song of ascents and, and of Solomon. And what that means, and it says right below, what that means is this is what Jewish people would read as they would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem once a year. They would read this and think about this. So this is not only talking about a physical family, a physical home, but this is talking about the spiritual aspect. It's a song of going to Jerusalem and getting, getting your sacrifice right and, and meeting with God. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he who gives to his beloved sleep, rest. Verse 3, behold, children are a heritage and inheritance. Say inheritance. From the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Verse 4, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man or woman who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. And the gates always represent the marketplace. It represents the city. It represents the place of commerce. And so look at verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And for our family, both natural and spiritual, in order for the home to stand, God has to build it. God has to build it. And so here's my first point. 
And, and you guys will love it because I'm going hardcore right away, all right? Love is not enough. The Beatles are wrong. Love is not all you need. You need more than love, right? All I need is love. You got love. You're still messed up, right? You're still crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just, I just want to be in love. Like we talked about this last, last week for the singles. You, we think that is the, that is the goal. You will get there and still be very empty. And, and, and we say around here, what's worse than being single and alone is to be married and alone. That's way worse because you really don't like them because you think they're making you feel lonely. It's their fault, right? Because our wholeness does not ever come from an individual, ever. We were made for God. We were made for God. Love is not enough. I know we love our kids. We want the best for them. But listen, it's not enough. You and I are not enough. I know, we, I know parents don't want to hear this. I'm not trying to downplay love or minimize our parenting. But we know parents who love their kids. They love them. They love their kids so much. They want to provide everything for them, meet every need. And you look at their kids and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't bad parenting, folks. Our love is not enough. The verse tells us they need God's construction and instruction. It has to be more. There needs to be structure. They need his word. They need his foundations. They need the way that God thinks they need to think that way. His purpose for their lives. Parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, we cannot go on autopilot in raising our kids in Jesus. It's not, we can't go, they need a mentor, they need a tour guide, they need a Yoda, right? They need a little odd creature sometimes in their lives to show up and teach them a totally different way of living. Because all their life they've been told one way of living, just make the best for yourself, build yourself the biggest home, do the best things, and you'll get there and say, still not enough. Especially us who live in Thornton. We live in Thornton. We live in, in, in suburbia. You can build the biggest home. You can get every, you can buy all your stuff. You, you can, and you will say to yourself at some point, it's still not enough because God has placed in each of us divine purpose, divine mission. And unless we are stepping into the way God has made us with the passions he made us with, with the giftings he made us with, we will find out soon or later, hopefully sooner than later. I hope you don't find out later. That's way worse. I would hope that you would find out sooner that purpose matters, that God's great commission matters, that we need people to disciple us in this culture towards Christ. Just being a Christian is not enough. Just providing moms and dads is not enough. Love is not enough. Number two, since that one was an easy point. Think next generation. Think next generation. I'm not trying to get trekky on you, all right? But we got to think next generation. They're like, what's that? Sorry, that's Star Trek during, during my time. When I was in high school, I watched a lot of Star Trek, obviously, right? Our main responsibility as parents is to raise the next generation in the gospel. I'm going to say that again. And I'm speaking to parents, and I'm speaking to people of this church who believe in discipleship. Our main responsibility as parents is to raise the next generation in the gospel. 
starting with our children. They are our first disciples. Verse 3 says, children are a heritage or an inheritance from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. And what that means, an inheritance, we said that. An inheritance is what you leave behind for future generations. And the Bible says our children is what we leave behind to impact future generations as, as, as Christians and ministers and disciples and followers of Christ, people are what we leave behind for the next generation. The impact, the next generation. This most likely will be our greatest role in life as parents in the homes and as people in this room, as spiritual parents, guides, making disciples. This is not some sort of thing that super spiritual people do who like reading the Bible. This is what we all do. And you're already doing it. People are watching your life and replicating it from friends to neighbors to fathers to uncles to aunts. People are watching your life to see if it's for real. I'm telling you. And we don't want no garbage anyway. Are people being authentic? We can call out fake. I mean, back in the day, you could fake Christianity and it was it was like normal, right? When I grew up, and I, I'm not trying to downplay my like my growing up or the church I attended, man, it was like it was you could live one way and then live another way, and it's all good. It was all good. That's what you're supposed to do. I, yeah, uh, I said, I said, God forgive me, so I should be good. You're like, you, we knew that didn't that didn't doesn't even make sense. So all we need to say is magic words, like. And, and take the magic cup and eat the magic bread, like, and say the magic We knew that that doesn't really make sense because it never said it in the Bible, ever, ever, right? No, there was a confession of faith and confession. There was a humility of coming to God. There's a place that, uh, that Jesus speaks of a parable of one man saying, God, uh, forgive me because I'm not jacked up like that guy. And another man comes, and he won't even come close to the temple. And he hits himself, and he says, God, forgive me, because I'm a mess, man. And Jesus says to the crowd, who do you think left forgiven? And then we come, and we play the same games. We don't, we don't play that game here. It doesn't do us any good. Let us be authentic people of God. And we are all called to be parents to somebody if you have Natural kids or people that look up to you for spiritual guidance. All of us. This is a command for every follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to make disciples. And listen, one of the most important passages of all Hebrew scripture is called the Shema. And I don't usually say too many Hebrew words. But the Shema is found in uh, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. This is what parents would teach their children right away. Right? And I'm going to read it to you in the message here. And this is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you. To live it out in the land you're about to cross and possess. Where you, I, He's saying, you better live this out where I have you. This is so that you live in deep reverence before God lifelong. This is how you persist and mature. This is how you grow up in faith, he's saying. Observing all the rules and regulations I'm commanding you. You and your children and your grandchildren. Right? Living good long lives. Verse 3, listen obediently, Israel. And I'm going to say this. Listen obediently, church. Which means that you can't just listen. There has to be obedience behind it, right? Do what you're told so that you'll have a good life. 
a life of abundant and bounty, just as God promised in the land of bounding in milk and honey. Verse 4, attention, church, Israel, God our God, God, the one and only, love the Lord your God with your whole heart. Love him with all that you that's in you. Love him with all that you got. Verse 6, write these commandments that I have given you today on your hearts. Write these 10 commandments. Write them on your hearts. Get, get them on the inside of you. Then get them inside your children. And here's how you do it. Verse 7, talk about them. When's the last time you just talked about God's word to your children? Talk about them. Whether you're sitting or you're at home walking on the streets, talk about them for time you get up in the morning till you fall asleep at night in bed. Listen, family, very little of our teaching happens on schedule. But if you're not willing to talk about it, it's never going to come up. Be okay with it not being on schedule. But also schedule it. Schedule it. Schedule it. Have a dialogue with your children. You know what's so crazy? You ask your children about God, they are so much deeper than you've ever thought. They ask you hard questions. They're like, don't ask me that question again. <laughs> right? But no, we have to have clear dialogue with the people in our lives. Verse 8. Tie them on your hands and on your foreheads as a reminder. It just means memorize God's word. Inscribe them on your doorposts at your home and on your city gates. And he's saying be intentional. Teach it. Talk about it. Memorize it. Live it in your homes and your city gates in the marketplace. Live it in the marketplace. At work, when you're driving on I-25 and you're already five minutes late to work, how do you show that to your children and the people around you? Live that out in King Supers when the line is too long and the lady in front of you it has so many coupons you wish you didn't pick that line. Right? God is serious about the next generation, and so should we. And number three, the two gardens, and this is short. God grows children in two gardens. Say two gardens. The home and the church. The home is the primary place where we learn the gospel. Our kids, it's going to be hardcore, parents. I'm going to just throw this out there since that one, those other ones weren't enough, right? Our kids experience Jesus in us. Bottom line, in the, our words, in our deeds, the way we make commitments, the way we deal with hardship, the way we deal with our finances, the way we deal with our marriages, how we pray when we pray, our personal disciplines like reading God's word, prayer, and servanthood. And this is my word right here. Kids see Jesus lived out authentically before them or they recognize the great hypocrisy in us. I'm not saying be perfect, but our kids know if our relationship with God is real. Real, and it matters, or just ritual, and it doesn't matter. If we look at our kids and God doesn't matter, if we sometimes should look back at ourselves and say, does God matter in our lives? Drink that in for a moment. We say, love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind? But are we living that out? Or do we place sports higher than God? Do we place college higher than God? And I was thinking this through, and college is really important for me. I'm Asian, all right? That's right. We all like college. We think college is the key to everything, right? And uh, I told, I won't go into my story, all right? But if we think that God is most important, even past education, 
Is that what we're pushing? Because they can be the most successful people in this life, yet lose their souls for eternity. That's a heavy weight. I know these things are important. I know it. I don't belittle sports. I want my, I love my son playing basketball. I coach my son. I love it. But am I bringing it with intensity to love God with all your might, soul, strength, and mind? Or am I putting other idols before my son and saying, it's perfectly okay. And our world says, it's perfectly okay. John, you're being weird. Then be weird. Then be weird. There has to be sacrifices. But don't sacrifice in the area of God. Don't. Don't sacrifice in the area of God. Some of us, we need to repent right now. You can feel it. Don't be so quick to move on. Don't, be, don't pass the buck to someone else. I need to repent right now. Even this year, I decided to start the, the discipling my daughter on Wednesdays, and I've missed two Wednesdays. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's rolling her eyes right now. Right? Because I felt like I'm discipling other men in this church, but I wasn't discipling my daughter. And I was like, that's on me. The next generation matters to me. Now what gospel are we telling our children through our lives? Is it the one they want to replicate? Is it beautiful or is it ritual? Number two, the church. The church is the second family. Kids need mentors besides parents. That's right, parents. Kids need people that, uh, that also say what you say. I love what Mo and Tino and Phil and Brad and a lot of the leaders that are going on, Megan, uh, Heidi, there's so many people in this room. Melissa, Monica, there's people in this room, D, that are mentoring our kids, and they need them to be a voice in their lives. They need someone taking them to desperation conference, going on mission trips, making a difference in their community together, connecting them to strong Christians and Christian friends, building them up in God with their parents. The second family is as important as the first family. So when you're hurting, don't push away. You need your family and you need your family. You need both gardens to grow. The way we see God and church is by his blood. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as it's a habit of some. Some people, it's not a big deal. But the, the writers of Hebrews are saying, it's a big deal. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing. Now, here's some practical tools. And we're come breaking down. And here we're closing up. Here's some practical tools. Have family dinners. I know some of us, we grew up with family dinners, and, but we don't have family dinners anymore. It's a perfect place to have conversation naturally. It leads to talking because they have to talk, right? And, you, and, you, and parents with little kids, you will yell at your children at family dinner. You're like, that. all we do is yell at each other. Good. At least you guys are talking, right? Create opportunities when you rise up, when you sit down, when you drive them to school at the park. Number two, prior, pri- prioritize the church, meeting together. I'm not saying justice coming to service. I'm saying prioritize being together. Being together. It's so funny. Our whole life, we grow up in school. We're together. We go to college. We're together. And then we get set out. We become 20, 21 uh, years old, and we're like totally alone, and we feel alone. 
and we push away community to build our own castle. It's such a weird thing. Don't push people away, especially when you're dating. Some of you singles, right when you find someone like, you get all of my time. You're like, you want to hang out? No. <laughs> like, don't destroy things that are important. The friend structures, the family structures, super important. The church, super vital. Teach your kids that church is vital. The church family is vital. It's eternal. Number three, do family serving. Serve together. Huh? Huh? What is that? I do that once a year. I have to sign up and serve together. No, figure out ways to serve someone that's not you. Right? It's funny. And I say this, I, I took my uh, sons, uh, my kids, and we were buying uh, presents for their mom uh, uh, for Christmas. And they started, like my littlest son, he's young. He starts picking presents for himself. Mom will really like this. <laughs> I was like, mom really likes uh, Pokemon, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was like, this, and how many times do we set our lives up and we lie to ourselves and say, God re- would really like me to do this? <laughs> This is really important to him. And man, can we change our point of view? Let us mature up a little and let us serve those who need us most. When you are, when we focus so much on ourselves, life sucks. I'm going to repeat what Paul says. That is the very last thing you want to do. You want to, you want to mess up your life quickly? Focus on yourself because you'll start blaming others. You know why we hate working where we work? Because someone else doesn't look at us in the right way. My manager doesn't know how hard I work. That, that coworker that got a raise, how dare they get a raise? Instead of understanding, man, celebrating with people. You know why marriages are so disrupted and dis- destructive? It's because oh, they didn't do their part in marriage, so I'm not going to do my part. I'm not going to do my thing because they didn't do their thing. Because we're focused on us. In every area of life, you want to dis- bring some pain Focus on yourself. And that's why we as leaders and as parents, we teach our children how to give out, how to serve. The elderly, the poor together, we go down to the down and outers. They're not too young to do right, to serve in your workplace. Bring your kids into the workplace and let them clean it. Teach them. Go to the fire station, bring food, pick up trash, read to toddlers at the library. And yet, that's insane, right? Do it. And then give together. Save money and give to per, uh, someone that's not you. Your kids could save money too. And they are easy. They let go of things much easier because it's like two, three dollars. But that's a big deal to them. But t- teach them when they're young to release. Go on missions trip together. Family, this is something so important to me. This is what I want to do with my kids. We want to go on missions trips locally, nationally, internationally together because it changes your view of how the world really works when you all we think is thornton colorado we have missed what the life of the real world looks like that's why we need to break our paradigm go on mission number six have a family mission statement this one's harder but write down what your family represents and then push them towards it if we don't have a goal for our kids or a vision for our children our world will Have a vision for them. And seven and eight, get involved in children's ministry and youth ministry. If you're like, I don't know how to deal with my kids, help people who are dealing with your kids then. And eight, be a greeter at the church. Serve 
make bagels, say hello. There's so much we can do. But maybe this is all new for you. Let's stand. I know these are simple, applicable things. But I think sometimes the simple things is what we need to do. We don't need radical change. We just need incremental change. Little by little by little. And in one year, just like working out, obviously I'm not doing that. But just like working out, you do week by week by week. And you're like, oh, I look totally different from last year. Because you can't see the change most of the time. But when you look years down the road, you will see grand impact. Maybe this is new and it's okay because we're all working this out. And, and all I'm asking you is to be obedient on the small things. Maybe right now you're feeling conviction from the Holy Spirit and that's beautiful. That's good. Conviction is good. The problem is when we no longer feel conviction. The problem is when we don't feel anything and we don't care. If you have no affection or obedience to Christ or longing for obedience, I would say that's a problem. I would be scared for your soul. Just to be honest. The Bible tells us, whew, some of us will say, Lord, Lord, I casted out demons in your name. I did some awesome things for you. And Jesus will look at them and say, I did not know you. I don't say that ever lightly. I don't ever even want to say it. I don't like saying it. But there's some of us in this room who will not make heaven our home. And that's a scary thought for me. But I know that's the reality. But I put it out there because I don't want to just shout for joy and say everything's cool. Because not everything's cool, man. Some of us, we need to make some radical decisions in our lives. And it's not cool. And the way we're living is going to turn to ruin. And what we need is a move of God to change our heart. We need a bold, bold move. We do. And the beautiful part of that is you get to hear that right now. Some people never get to hear change, man. Change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're going. I love you enough to tell you, please, please, I love your soul. And no matter where we are today, know this. We have a God that loves us. He wants to help us. Take steps of faith. God took a step of faith on the cross. Now we take a step towards him humbly, humbly, with our heads bowed today. If you know you're far from God and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you need to turn around and you need to go a different direction, you need to make some changes. And if that's you with our heads bowed, just raise your hand, man. I need to go a different direction. I know where I am. I know what I'm doing. If that's you, be bold about it. You don't need to, you don't need to be weak on decisions we make. Yes, I pray for every hand. You can put your hands down. I pray for every hand that rised up, Lord God, to say, God, I trust you. And sometimes I don't trust you, and I need to trust you. And today I'm going to turn about face and look towards you today, God. Come, change my life. And I pray right now for the next generation of Hill City Church, men and women and children and youth would be way greater than the generation here in this room today. Psalms 127, 4 and 5 says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children in one's youth. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. Equip them full of God. Send them out to do good. Impact the world. To hit the mark. Family matters to God. And family matters to us. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this room. 
as we leave this room, let this message not end here, God. Let it tweak something. It messes with us. Let it keep us up at night, God, if it needs to. I would rather that you speak to our hearts than us to ignore you, God. And I pray for people who need healing today. I pray that your love would so love them. And people who need correction today, I pray your conviction would so convict them. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. And Jesus loves you. God bless you guys.